Matthew chapter number three tonight, begin reading in verse one. In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, and of course he's referring to Isaiah in the Old Testament, saying the voice of how many tonight? Say it with me. The voice of one. Say that with me again. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord and make his paths straight. And I'm interested tonight in that little phrase where it said the voice of one. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. And as far as I can tell that when John the Baptist came on the scene, he was the only one preaching like that. He was the only one living like that. He was the only one standing like that. But God had one man with one voice. And God honored that one man and God honored that one voice. I believe tonight that if our nation has ever needed to hear that one voice, it is this day, this time, this hour in which we live. We have heard from Hollywood, we have heard from Washington, we have heard from the athletic world, we have even heard from the religious establishments of our day. But how the world needs to hear from God. They need to hear the one voice of a child of God that's been born again and saved and filled with the Holy Spirit and they lift up that one voice to honor their Lord and their Savior Jesus Christ. God has called all of us tonight to lift our voice in this day and let the church of Jesus Christ be heard because the world needs to hear that one voice. I love the man that's before us tonight, John the Baptist. And you know what the Bible said he was? It said he was a forerunner. In other words, he went before Jesus came the first time and lifted up his voice as a forerunner and said, prepare, somebody's coming and you've never seen nobody like him. You say, what has that got to do with us? Well, we're forerunners. Because we're to go out tonight to a lost and a dying world and say, prepare. Somebody's coming and you ain't seen nobody like it. And just like he came the first time, just like God said that he would, he will come the second time. Just like God said that he would. And I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you're glad 
that when you were a sinner on your way to a devil's hell, somebody spoke up and you heard that one voice and they pointed you to the Savior who washed your sins away. You've got a song tonight, sing it. You have a testimony tonight, give it. You have a praise tonight, render it. And we all have a message to give this lost and dying world, somebody's coming. And you've never seen nobody quite like it. The voice of one. Notice tonight the commission of John the Baptist. The Bible said that there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Even though his mother and father were spiritual and godly people, his mother didn't send him. His papa didn't send him. He was sent from God. He came under the auspices and the authority of the God of heaven. God called this man. God sent this man. And when this man lifted up his voice, he was coming in the sanction and in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You say, what has that got to do with us? God has commissioned you and I. God has commissioned the church. I'm a Baptist, but I'm not commissioned by the Baptist. I'm a member of Harvest Baptist Tabernacle, but God saved me, and God called me, and God has commissioned you and I tonight to go to all the world and lift up that one voice. Someone said, what authority do you come in? Oh, the authority of heaven, the sanction of heaven, the anointing of heaven. The church is not just another religious entity in an apostate world. The church is on business from heaven. The church is on business for God. God has anointed us. God has ordained us. And God has called us. And this world needs to hear the voice of one that's been commissioned by God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Notice the commissioning of John the Baptist. Number two, notice the character of John the Baptist. What kind of man was John. Well, I believe I can say it like this tonight. He was different. He had a distinction. The religious world had heard and seen the scribes, the Pharisees, the priests, and the Levites. But they ain't never seen nobody like John. He was different. He walked different. He dressed different. He preached different. He talked different. There was a distinguishing quality about John from the religious environment of his day. You say, what has that got to do with us? I'm glad you asked. The church needs our distinguishing mark back. 
that we are not of the world. We don't dress like them. We don't act like them. We don't talk like them. Brother, we don't even think like them. Brother, there is a distinguishing mark. We're not some religious entity participating in religious activity. Brother, the church has a different sound. We have a different message. We have a different philosophy. And I'm glad the church tonight needs our distinguishing mark back. The world has got so churchy and the church has got so worldly. The lines have been blurred, but may we be like John the Baptist and say we're different and our message is different and our ministries is different and we're on business for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. There are two qualities about John the Baptist. He was a holy man, but then John was a humble man. And the reason why I know he was a holy man was because he was a humble man. Because someone who lives in true holiness with God will not be arrogant. They will not be proud. They will not be self-centered. Someone who's really walking in true holiness with God realizes it's not about us, but it's all about him. Someone says, how do you see the humility of John the Baptist? Well, notice what he said. He said, there's a man coming behind me. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. There's a man coming behind me that's greater than me. In fact, this man coming behind me is so great. He must increase and I must decrease. He said the man coming behind me needs to be real big in your sight and I need to be real little in your sight because it's not about me, but it's all about him. May the church oh, lose our identity in the Lord Jesus Christ because it's not about you and it's not about me, but it's about the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We're not here tonight to build religious kingdom and build religious personalities. We're here tonight to say to God be the praise, to God be the honor, to God be the glory. He must get big and we must get little. He must increase and we must decrease. Oh, what characteristics. So I see the commissioning John the Baptist. I see the character of John the Baptist, but I want to deal quickly tonight with the calling of John the Baptist. What did God call him to do? Here it is. Lift up his one voice. Lift up your voice, John, because the world needs to hear it. And can I say this tonight? I believe he was faithful and lifting up that one voice. You say, well, one's not much. Well, when you're talking about the one, it's more than much. In fact, little is much when God gets in it. In fact, God is so sovereign, he can take something so small and do something real big. 
It was a little stick in the hand of Moses that came the mighty rod of God. It was a little sling in the hands of David that became a mighty implement of war. It was a little snack in the basket of the little lamb that fed the 5,000. It was a little savings in the purse of the widow woman that Jesus said gave more than anybody else. And John may be alone and John may just be one and he may be outnumbered, but he's been called of God to lift up that one voice, lift up that one voice and lift up that one voice. I believe God has called all of us in this room tonight to let our light shine and sing our song and lift up our one voice because if I lift up my one and you lift up your one that's two and you lift up your one and you lift up your one and you lift up your one it's not long that there's a mighty chorus lifting our voices and pointing men and women and boys and girls to the Savior thank God tonight let's lift up that one voice You say, well, was it effective? Well, it was so effective that he had converts to baptize. You say, well, Brother Joe, the masses rejected John the Baptist. Everybody didn't. You say the religious establishment turned their back on John the Baptist. Everybody didn't. You say, but Brother Joe, they turned away from his preaching. Everybody didn't. Cause God honored that one voice. I know there's a lot of people in North Georgia that rejected Jesus. You're sitting here tonight. I'm sure in Chattanooga there's been multitudes that have said no to the divine invitation of God's amazing grace, but glory to God, you didn't tonight. I wonder how many in this room tonight you're saved and you're glad about it and you know it. You're on your way to heaven. Aren't you glad you didn't reject him? Aren't you glad you didn't turn him away? Aren't you glad you didn't say no? You heard a voice and you obeyed that voice and God is still speaking. God is still calling. Sinners are still responding. Lift up your voice. And so John the Baptist is down by the Jordan baptizing those that have obeyed the voice. The Bible said that John was baptizing and the men were coming to be baptizing and it said this, and they, them sinners, were confessing their sins. They came to John the Baptist confessing their sin and he would baptize them. Boy, I need a little help tonight. Brother, on the end, you come here. This one, this one fella comes up and, and both is just gonna be good. He's gonna confess his sins. He confesses his sins. John baptizes him and he goes on his way. Then another fella would come up. Boy, this is gonna be a good one right here. And he confesses his sins and John baptizes him. He goes on his way. And then another one comes up and confesses his sins. Don't really do that, I know enough already. And uh, that's why I don't got Facebook, I'm depressed enough, I don't need any more help. And he confesses his sin, John baptizes him, and he sends him on his way. And all of a sudden, John turns around, and there stands Jesus Christ, 
the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valley, and he doesn't confess his sins cause he doesn't have any to confess. You may sit down, boy. He didn't confess his sin because he didn't have any to confess. And he said, John, baptize me. And John said, no. Oh, I can't baptize you. Well, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoes. And Jesus said, son, to fulfill righteousness. To fulfill righteousness. Now, let me ask you this tonight. How do dirty, rotten sinners like you and I ever claim the righteousness of God? How is God's righteousness imputed to bankrupt sinners like you and I? By simply putting our faith and our trust in the gospel, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus. And Jesus said, John, to fulfill righteousness, to show these unrighteous people how they can be imputed. Well, glory, my righteousness can be imputed unto them. John, show them, son, how it's done. And I want to tell you, John had baptized a bunch, but he had never touched nobody like that. Usually you have the preacher baptizing the converts. Now the convert is baptizing the convertee. Say amen. And Jesus, John takes him and in type of his death, puts him in that liquid grave, buried with Christ. Oh, in type of his burial, buried with Christ. In type of his resurrection, raises him out of that liquid grave, risen with Christ. The songwriter said it like this, living he loved me, dying he saved me, buried he carried my sins far away, rising he justified, freely forever, and one day he's coming, all glorious day. I was a bankrupt sinner, I so close to the flames of hell, my heart was already black by the flames, but I put my faith and trust in the gospel, in the death, in the burial, and in the resurrection of Jesus. And because of that, righteousness was imputed unto me. Boy, I see John as he brings Jesus out of that liquid grave. And as that old red muddy Jordan water drips off the face of the Son of God, I don't know what it did for Jesus, and I don't know what it did for John, and I don't know what it did for them bystanders, but I know what it did to heaven. I know what it did to the Father. It erupted in praise and adoration. Why God the Father rolled back the clouds. He put the Holy Ghost on the wings of a dove and it flew out of heaven. It came down to the earth and hovered over the shoulders of John the Baptist. And then about that time, God leaned over the balcony of heaven and spake with a voice that shook the foundations of the earth. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. They had heard John's voice. They had heard John's voice. John was faithful in lifting up his voice. But all of a sudden, they don't hear John's voice. They hear God's voice. 
they hear thee voice. Why John was faithful and lifting up his one voice and then God the Father said, I think I'll get in on it and God lifted up his voice and God spake with his voice and they heard his voice. I'm glad they heard the voice of John the Baptist but I'm real glad they heard the voice of God Almighty. The voice that'll make a difference in your life and in mine. Woo! I enjoyed these testimonies tonight about heritage. My daddy was an old-fashioned leather-lung preacher. My mama wanted to be, but daddy wouldn't ordain her. And she knew as much about the Bible as most preachers I've ever heard. And I heard the voice of my father. My daddy pastored several wonderful churches and great Sunday school teachers and great Bible preachers. And man, I've heard the voice of preachers. My daddy took me to hear Maze Jackson. My daddy took me to hear Dr. Billy Canoe. My daddy took me to hear Brother Sammy Allen. Oh, how I miss, oh, my hero, my prayer, my prayer partner. Boy, he took me to hear Billy Kelly. Man, I've heard some preaching. I heard a little skinny guy preach with beautiful gray hair and dark black glasses by the name of Mifford Biddle, quoted about half of the Bible, all of the book of the Revelation, and he had somebody to help him, and I liked her preaching too. Say amen. Boy, I've heard the voice of the preachers. I heard the voice of your husband. I heard the voice of your dad. I heard the voice of your brother. Man, this liberal soft soaping uh, broke back all in terms preaching. I don't know that crowd of thing. They've not invested in me. Their preachers never done nothing for me. Why don't they don't even believe the Bible? They're saying they're preaching out of. Man, I've heard the best preaching ever been. I've heard some wonderful singing. Man, I've heard the voice of the preacher. I've heard the voice of the teacher. I've heard the voice of the testifier. I've heard the voice of the shouter. I've heard the voice of the prayer. Why, since we've been in church tonight, I've heard the voice of the pastor. I've heard the voice of the choir leader. I've heard the voice of the singers. I've heard the voice of the people that prayed. I've heard the voice of those who gave a testimony. And I thank God for them voices. But I wanna tell you I'm glad. I've heard more than the voice of the preacher. And whoop, and more than the voice of the teacher and more than the voice of the singer. Praise God that Thursday night, 1979, about 935 in Reedsville, North Carolina. My God, I heard another voice. I heard the voice, the saving voice, the eternal voice, the life-changing voice. Oh, I'm glad I've heard his voice. Jesus spoke to me one day. Praise his holy holy name. Aren't you glad you heard that voice? Do you heard his voice? Let's lift up our voice and he won't be long to God to get in on it and he'll lift up his voice. Hallelujah. And we've heard the voice of others but nothing like hearing 
the voice of God. John the Baptist on the bank of that river looked up one day and, well, glory. He had meditated about him. He had preached about him. He had told people about him. He had prophesied about him, about being a light and about being the one with the fan in his hand and the separator, the one that's greater than him. Oh, but one day John shoved it in high gear and he got in royal high cotton. John said, you religious people, you've gone up out of that temple and you followed all that religious rigmarole trying to get your sins taken away, trying to get your past erased, trying to free yourself and emancipate yourself from the chains of sin. John said, I want you to behold, stand in amazement, looky, looky, something big is about to happen. Walking up and down on the other side of the banks of that river, oh, was him. And John said, looky, looky, there he is. Behold, not a lamb, not some lamb, not one of the many different lambs, not Moses' lamb, not Mary's lamb, not Israel's lamb, but behold the Lamb of God. What does he do, John? He taketh away the sin of the world. And for the first time, lost humanity heard that the temple's not enough and the synagogue's not enough and the Pharisees and the scribes is not enough and the priest and the high priest and the middle priest and the little priest is not enough. But over yonder is God's sacrifice. Over there is God's emancipator. Over there is God's liberator. Over there is God's lamb. Over there is God's payment. Over there is God's propitiation. Over there is God's lamb. And he'll take it away. He'll take it away. If you want your sins taken away, there he stands right over there. I wonder if there's anybody in this room tonight, you're glad when you was a sinner, lost without God. Somebody lifted up their voice and said, that's a better way to live and a better way to die. The Lamb of God, he's right for what's wrong in your life. He won't patch you up. He won't overhaul you. He'll take away your sin. Woo. Boy, I'm glad the Bible said he'll separate it as far as the east is from the west. That's pretty good. Well, the Bible said that God sealed it up in a bag. That ain't bad. The Bible said that God put it behind his back. That's big. The Bible said that he put it in the depths of the sea. And Mays Jackson said when he put it in the depths of the sea, he put up a no fishing sign. That's pretty good. The one that gets me is the sovereign, omniscient, holy, eternal God of heaven said, I'll remember it no more. That's good. But did you know all of that is pre-lamb? All of that is pre-Christmas. All of that is pre-Calvary. 
All of that is pre-cross. All of that is pre-cemetery. All of that is pre-graveyard. On this side of the covenant. On this side of the grace covenant. On this side of the cross. It's more than sealed up in a bag. It's more than in the depths of the sea. It's more than behind his back. Oh, it's more than far as the east is from the west. You say, where is it? Gone. Taken away. It doesn't exist. Someone say, pray for me, preacher. My past has been bothering me. Look up in here. If you've been to the cross and the Lamb of God has saved you, I come to tell you, you ain't got a past. You may remember it. Your family may remember it. Your old lost cousin friends may remember it. But the sovereign God of heaven has no record of your existence before salvation because you met the Lamb of God that took away. I'm glad somebody lifted up that one voice. And tonight, none of us are what we used to be. And we're not what we're gonna be. Cause somebody was faithful in lifting up that one voice. I remember when I was about 12, 13 years old, my dad went off in a revival. And we lived in that little trailer beside the church. My dad's church was amazing. They had this amazing philosophy. God will keep that man poor if you'll keep him humble. Say amen. And we lived in that little old trailer. Just me and mama was there. Roy Shearn, boy, he was a, a booger. He was a drunk. He come by the trailer one night about five o'clock and said, I said, what do you need, Roy? He said, I need to talk to your daddy. I'm lost and I'm going to hell and I don't want to do that. I need to talk to your daddy. And I said, well, Roy, you're, you're in bad shape because daddy ain't here. And he won't be back to Saturday. He said, oh Lord, I may go to hell for Saturday. About that time, here come my little mama. Roy, Roy, honey, you ain't gotta go to hell. Come on in here, honey. I can tell you everything JB can tell you. <laughs> and I watched my mama take that little old red Schofield. Amen. And walk him down John's road, Ephesians road, Romans road, because if you're in the book, all roads lead to Calvary. And I heard that old drunk call on God and mama shattered her down. Aren't you glad you heard that one voice? Somebody lifted up that one voice and you heard their voice until one day you heard God's voice. That's what the world needs to hear that one voice crying in the wilderness. If you ever go to Spartanburg, South Carolina, and you go up 85 to Cowpen, South Carolina, you say, where is that? That's where we whooped the British before they gave it up at Yorktown. Man on the side of the road is Mountain View Baptist Church. Years and years, there was a big red cross out front. And for 50 some years, they had a preacher, a wild man by the name of Jimmy Robbins. He said, I don't know if I've ever met him. I can tell you right now, if you got to think about it, you didn't meet him. 
If you met him, you knew you met him. He was a cool dude, man. He wore red leather cowboy boots. Brother, anybody that wears red leather cowboy boots, they're cool. He wore double-breasted suits with gold buttons. Preached out of a big old red Schofield Bible. And I told him one time, I said, Doc, I don't envy your church. I don't envy your clothes. I don't envy your house. Oh, oh, but that head of hair that he had. He just had a head full of beautiful flowing curly hair. And someone said, Brother Joe, what color do you want your hair? I don't care what color it is. I just want it. Boy, I miss it. I've heard people say all my life, bald is beautiful. The only people who say that are bald-headed people. I've never seen a pretty bald-headed man. I want to go on record, I've never seen a pretty man of any kind. Say amen right there. And so old Dr. Roberts would get to preaching. That hair'd go everywhere. I mean, he'd go to sweat. I'll tell you, can you get right with God? Yeah! You ain't got to think about, I wonder if I met him. Oh, yeah. Man of God, I loved him. Different, but I, lo- I like different. Man, he was out there one night at the Cracker Barrel after church. Up in Spartanburg, and there were two Harley Davidsons sitting there all decked out. And there were two dudes standing beside them Harley Davidsons. Had them pointed tails, had them deep sea fishing lures all over them. Had them shirts with the sleeves cut out and big old muscle, had that rebel flag that waved and mother. <laughs> you rednecks that get to, had one of them hawk bills had a pair of brass nuts in each pocket and they were packing. I, I don't mean a six pack. I mean, well, it probably was a six shooter. Bad to the bone. I see people like that. I go, God bless you. Amen. Not Jimmy Robbins. Hey, hey boys. I like them Hollies you got. Harleys, that's how you call Harleys, Harleys. I like them Hollies you got. I like that chrome on there. Like all that chrome on there. Now, you know a man that wears red cowboy boots and gold button suits, it's going like chrome on a Harley. He said, I like, I like that Harley boy. I like that chrome on there. And he put his hand up on that one dude. He He said, calm down, son. I ain't going to hurt you. (laughs) Hear that dude with a switchblade and a hawk bill and a 38 and brass nuts and that preacher. I ain't going to hurt you, son. He said, I want you to do Preacher Robbins a favor. He said, what? He said, I want you to do Preacher Robbins a favor. He said, all right. He said, I just want to tell you again, I like them hollies, like them chrome on there. But I want you to do Preacher Robbins a favor. He said, what's that, sir? He said, don't ride them into hell. He said, don't ride them into hell, boys. Jesus loves you and Jesus died for you. And I like them hollies and I like it chrome on there. But don't ride them into hell. Y'all have a good night. See you later. (laughs) And he goes on and eats at the Cracker Barrel. Five years later, one of my friends is the head usher in that church. 
The door opened about halfway through the service and in come a nice dressed young man and my friend, Brother Spencer, goes over there and says, hey, how you doing? We're glad to have you. You're a visitor. How'd you find a church? He said, well, let me ask you something. He said, uh, I need to see somebody here. I think he called him, I think they called him Preacher Robbins. Uh, red boots, gold buttons. Uh, you know, he said, uh, I need to see Preacher Robbins. I want to talk to Preacher Robbins. They said, he pastored up here. I want to see Preacher Robbins. Brother Spencer said, sir, you're too late. We buried him about six months ago. He just died and we buried him about six months ago, but now he's got some family here and we'll, we'll try to help you. What, what, what do you need to talk to him about? He said, I'll tell you what I want to talk to him about. He said, about five years ago, me and my partner had our motorcycles up there at the Cracker Barrel and he come by and said he liked my Harley and he liked that chrome on there, but he wanted me to do him a favor not ride it in the hell. And he said from that day forward for three years, every time I cranked her up, all I could hear was, hey, do Preacher Robbins a favor. Don't ride him into hell. He said, I'd shoot dope and all I'd hear is that preacher say, hey, don't ride him into hell. He said, I couldn't get drunk enough. I couldn't get high enough. I couldn't fight enough. And for three and a half years, every night I'd close my eyes. I'd see red cowboy boots and gold buttons and hair like that. And I'd say, I'd hear him say, don't ride him into hell. Don't ride him into hell. Don't ride him into hell. And he said, sir, about two years ago, I got saved and I'm a deacon in a Baptist church in Missouri and I just want to come by and tell him I appreciated that one voice. Hey, he went there in Calpins to hear it but I believe on the other side of glory God said, preacher man, they got in. They heard that one voice. He couldn't drown out that one voice. He couldn't get over that one voice. Dear God, you got a song singing. You got a light shining. You got a stand take it. Somebody, somebody, somebody needs to hear your voice and they'll hear it till they hear God's voice. You know the end of the story. Somebody said, preacher, tell it all. They killed John the Baptist. They did. But they didn't silence his voice. You said they had to. They cut his head off. You ever heard of a preacher preaching his heart out? John preached his head off. They had to silence his voice. They cut his head off. Wrong again. He's dead. They throwed his body in a pit. And one day the queen looks over at the king and said, I hear it. I hear it. You hear what? I hear that voice. That preacher's come back from the dead. What? He must have got a new head or something and come back from the dead. I hear it. And it's saying the same thing. Repent, prepare, turn, get right with God. And finally a servant comes up there and says, King, there's a man out here on the front porch that wants to see you. And he talks like that other feller we killed. But I believe it might be the one he talked about. His name is Jesus. Oh, you know what she found out? You can cut off the preacher's head. You can silence the church. You can pass laws. You can censorship. And you think you've done away with the gospel. But 
there is a sovereign voice of a sovereign God that will not be silent. And church, if we'll keep lifting up our voice, it won't be long to God lift up his voice and they may silence our voice, but they'll never silence his voice. The voice of one. You say, well, I'm the only saved person in my family. Lift up your voice. Well, I'm the only saved person in my neighborhood. Lift up your voice. Oh, Brother Joe, that godforsaken place, that heathen place I work, I'm the only Christian there. That's why God's got you there, to lift up that one voice. Because if you lift up yours, and you lift up yours, and you lift up yours, and you lift up yours, all of a sudden it's a mighty chorus. In fact, that's what John said in the glory world. I heard the voice of thousands of thousands lifting up their voice and saying, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. You know what that was? That was a bunch of one voices that had been washed in the blood and brought into the family of God. The world has heard from Dr. Fauci. The world has heard from the CDC. And what amazes me is they are amazed while nobody takes them serious. And when you change your message and your guideline day to day, you don't know. We've heard from CNN, we've heard from Fox, we've heard from the Democrats, we've heard from the Republicans, we've heard from the Hollywood world, we've heard from the sports world, we've even heard from religion. But America tonight needs to hear from God. They need to hear that one voice. He said, well, preacher, I don't think one can make the difference when it's joined by the one. It'll make the difference. How many of you got saved one night at church? Somebody preached the gospel and God spoke to you through the preaching of the word of God. Raise your hand real high. Hold it. I mean, you was, at, you was literally at church and this man is up preaching and he preaches the gospel and God speaks to you and you get saved. Hold it up real high. Wave it around. How many were preaching that night? How many heard and felt God in your Sunday school class as a little old toe-headed boy or girl, that little teacher pouring your, their heart into you and the word of God in you? How many was up there talking? One. One makes the difference when it's joined by the voice. So let's leave here tonight and lift up that one voice. The world needs to hear our voice.